When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up, whether it's today or Saturday, about what are the things that the commanders need to see over these next four weeks to feel good going into the offseason, regardless of who's coaching here or running the operation in 2024. There are things that I think that you need to see and that they need to see to feel better about the roster. And, you know, yes, I know everybody wants that top five pick at this point, but you still need to see improvement from, from certain players to feel better about the roster going forward. Because if certain guys don't pan out, well, yeah, it helps the draft standing, but it certainly makes the roster look like it has a lot more work that needs to be done. And I don't think you want that because that means that the rebuild process will take a few, will take a little bit longer anyway. And of course, Sam Howell's play is is very huge on that. So you can go there, check that out on ESPN.com. And don't forget, I'll be back after the game on Sunday to wrap up the Rams commanders game. You know, I know you're can't wait for that one anyway. So I'm going to get to, instead of doing my keys and predictions like I have been doing, and I started this last before the Dolphins game, is just a Friday five. Just five five thoughts on various topics, including the game on Sunday, because I still think that it matters to know, have a little bit of information going into those games and a little bit of knowledge and and what how it could play out. But that'll be the last one. So I'm going to get to f- several topics and then get to just a, f- a minute or so on the game. So um, with that in mind, let's get to it. So the first one is the ownership situation. And so, and or just excuse me, t- I'll take that back. Not the ownership situation, but the how does this job opening when it comes open? How does it compare to others around the league? And it, you know, in, in talking to people, what matters when we're looking at this? And I know there's a lot of talk about cap space and draft picks, but I'll get to that in a minute. But where do, where would this job situation rank? And I had Jeremy Fowler on um, a week or so ago when we talked about our story on the commander season, and he, he would put it in that top. I believe if I said it like maybe second or so just because of the, some of the stuff they have going on here and the ownership situation. How does it compare? So then Bill Barnwell from ESPN wrote a piece for ESPN Plus, just ranking it seventh on the list. Now, there were potential openings ahead of them, whether it's New England, we don't know yet. I mean, there's rumors about Bill Belichick and his job status, and I wouldn't worry about him coming here. So there's one that's one possibility. Would the Jets come open? Would the Falcons come open? Those jobs were ranked ahead of them. I also think seven is too low. And and one of the reasons that that Barnwell put it there was because of the facilities um, and because of the way the roster looks to him. And I think some of that, I mean, that's all fair. The one thing to keep in mind with the facilities, especially the practice facility, more so than the stadium, because a stadium, you're only playing there 
this is that's their home for eight to ten games, right? So it, it, I don't know that the stadium is going to be that big a deal for a player, but the practice facility is, especially when you have all these nice ones being built throughout the NFL, and this is still one that's a relic. It's from 1992, and it's going to be an issue. And I don't know when they'll build a new one. It, it's very possible. They wait until they have the new site for a stadium to know exactly where they now need to go for a practice facility. But you could, let's say that gets done, you know, early 2025, you find your site, then you get to the practice facility, you know, shortly thereafter, then you can start building it because you don't need, it's not going to take as long as a new stadium. So you could conceivably have a new practice facility in about three years or so. So I don't know that that's going to be some big issue. In fact, that might be something that attracts somebody because you see building going on. It's not about what's going on right now. It's about what will it look like in the future to help a situation grow. And that would be one of them. So I would actually put that the the potential, the new practice facility as a, as a more of a bonus or a, a plus, even though it's not right now, it will be something that as you, as a new person comes in, as a new staff comes in, assuming that's what happens, then you have a chance to build and grow and then add that. And it's, it could be, you know, it just kind of adds to the feel here. So anyway, the new stadium, who knows, that's going to take a while, but anyway, so my point is, I think that's going to matter. And I, but I also think that when you look at it, the cap space, they're going to have 90 million in cap space. They're going to have five picks in the top 100 that matters too. But what also matters more, and I was talking to somebody talk to a few people who represent coaches who will be in this cycle and what they think matters and that the other stuff matters, but what really mattered to them was ownership and, and, and the stable situation. And I think you can look at this situation as being far more attractive than it has been in, let's say 24 years um, because of the ownership change with Josh Harris now, is he a perfect owner? No, we don't even we really don't know what kind of NFL owner he is yet because it's too early in his in his in his um, regime. But we know what kind of a sports owner he is. We know how he makes decisions. We know that if he tells someone, hey, we're going to give you a year to show to evaluate that he's going to stick to his word. And I think that all matters and it's going to matter to prospective coaches. And how will he handle? How does he view this situation? How does he view where the roster is, does it align with what the coach or GM feels about the roster? That's going to be important as well. It's not so much, okay, you got all this stuff, but if Josh Harris thinks that, Hey, we're close then, and the, and the prospective GM or coach does not agree with that. Well, that could be, that's a definite factor as well, but I do think ownership style. So there's some jobs like the chargers is that's, you know, after Thursday night, like you certainly think that that job might come open as well, and they have Justin Herbert. That's a very much a positive, but that roster is not very strong overall. And the ownership situation to me is kind of um, iffy or not iffy, but just, is it the best one? I think it's kind of hard to say, but that it is, but um, I think all that will matter in this final, but having Justin Herbert is going to be a big plus or an attraction because a lot of coaches or GMs would think, Oh, a coach would think, Oh, I can win with this guy and you can build as long as you have that piece then, then it's then it's a plus. And then it's going to depend on what does uh, somebody think of Sam Howell compared to what's in the draft um, and all that. But I do think the ownership situation is going to matter. And I certainly would not put them seventh on a list. 
Um, and I know like there's some other teams, there's good reasons for, for some of those ahead of them. Tampa Bay was another one that he put ahead of them. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a more attractive job than what it's been in a long time because of how ownership would be perceived. And um, one good thing too, with that ownership, with the ownership group is that you do have, even though you don't have somebody who has like, you know, Josh Harris has NFL ties because he was a minority owner of the Steelers, but you have people who have been involved in pro sports, David Blitzer. You know, Josh Harris, obviously, Mark Ein, who's a limited partner. Um, he has experience in that. Mitchell Rails is not has not been involved in sports, but he's been involved in building businesses. And I think that matters. Magic Johnson. Now, Magic's not going to have a say in, oh, you got to hire this guy or going to hire this guy. But I think what he will have a say in, in if if listen, it just makes sense, right? This is logic that you have a guy who understands leadership very well and has built, you know, understood it as a player in the NBA, understands it as a as a business person outside the NBA. So I think his wisdom will help them, will help uh, perhaps guide them in a certain direction or just add another voice to the process that can help formulate and make a decision. But anyway, the whole point of it is, I think it's a more attractive job in part because of that. And then you add on some of the other factors, a stadium, again, we, we that's, that's kind of, that's going to be a problem for a while folks, but the practice facility, I think you can solve that within um, within a few years uh, and and make that more of a plus to say, hey, listen, we're doing this. This is what's going to be what it's going to, this is what it looks like now. This is what it's going to look like in three years. So if they can get it built within three years. Anyway, that leads me into item number two. And that's about the stadium, because as you am sure, you know, with the Wizards and Capitals certainly looks like they're headed to Virginia and Potomac Yards. And, you know, it's not a complete done deal yet because there's still a few things that have to be resolved. Will they get the bonding that they need, et cetera? But when you talk to people who cover that, it certainly looks like it's going to be a done deal. So we're going to operate under that assumption just for this purpose. And that is that how it relates to the commanders and RFK. And I know that there's this, there's this belief and a natural quick reaction to it would be, and I would have it too, or had it too, that, okay, well, now the DC has to do what it takes to get the commanders into RFK or the, does it, does it boost their chances to get to RFK? And I think it does a little bit, but in talking to some people who have been involved in that process, I think I would just say, slow your roll on that a little bit, because there's still a long way to go in both situations, but especially with the commanders in a new stadium. And then when it comes to dealing with politics in, in DC and, you know, does Congress actually pass the bill to get to lease the land back to our, to the city, the land around RFK, back to the city. When does that get passed? Does it get passed, you know, early enough so that way the commanders can can get something done there um, or not? So, but, but the point is, and talk to someone is they they felt like it would be lazy to just sit there and say, okay, these guys are gone. Then it's, it certainly looks great for the commanders going to to RFK. I think there's still going to be a long process that plays out. And, and seeing how other jurisdictions factor into this or, or what they offer, whether Virginia or Maryland, whatever, and 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 how it looks to the owners. Is it something where, um, you know, I don't think they're going to go down there just for some emotional pull, but if there's, if it's something that makes sense for them, then I, then clearly they would want to go down there. But I would just say, just because the Wizards and Caps are moved, it might look like they're headed to Virginia does not automatically mean that the commanders will be returning to RFK. Just know there's still a long way to go. There's a good chance 
that this is not resolved as far as finding a stadium site until early 2025. I mean, this is going to be a long process. They legitimately started back at ground zero and kind of wanted to do their research, find out what they needed to know, um, et cetera, to make then a more informed decision and see what goes on. You're going to have to get through a couple of rounds of assemblies for each state and then and then the RFK bill, you know, with again with Congress. So there's a lot more to go there. And it's why it could take a minute to get this done. So just take a breath and let's see how it plays out. I think that'd still be a favorite spot. And if they did go down to RFK, it certainly sounds like it would just be a stadium. And in that case, then go back to that practice facility that would that would be built in Virginia. So anyway, that's it for that part. Um you know, again, it'd be nice to get that resolved soon, but it, but it just, it does, it certainly feels like, um, and sounds like that the the stadium stuff, it's still, the earliest will be decided will be in the summertime. I think that's way optimistic. So I think this could certainly spill into 2025, which is only what, 13, 14, 13 months away, but you know, when in 2025 would be the key, but if it's early, then, then okay. Sam Howell appeared on RG3's podcast the other day and talked a little bit about Eric Bieniemy, and he had good things to say about him. And, and I would say this, like, and we wrote that story and I've talked to a lot of people about this. I know that it's not unanimous about how players feel about anybody, right? I mean, certainly about, about Bieniemy. And, and yes, there, there have been, you know, some chafing and some tension or whatever you want to call it. But it's not. It was not unanimous, and I know with with Howell. I mean, he said that he thought Bieniemy would be a good head coach, and I don't. I think Sam has been consistent in his thoughts on this. I would just say that, and I know he's. You know, I you hear stuff throughout, so it doesn't. You know, does this um, again with some of the issues that some players may have that have with him? Are they fair for them? They probably are, but is it fair overall? I you know that's. There are going to be complaints when you're four and nine. And the bottom line here is the defense really struggled. The defense is the big reason why this team is four and nine. And we knew the offense would take a minute to develop. We knew that Bienemy, despite what he says about calling plays in KC, this, this is his first time in this full-time role. There's a difference. And so it does take a minute to get up to speed with that. And he had to learn this roster. He had to learn, you know, this, this staff, the staff had to learn him. There's been a whole learning period and it's tough to do that in one year, especially in this situation where you have to win now and you're trying to develop a quarterback, you're trying to grow an offense. It's not easy, you know? Um, so I think that's why with some of this stuff, there's always a lot of gray area and understand that. And it doesn't mean that he should be a head coach. It doesn't mean he shouldn't be a head coach, but it does mean that it's why this place, you know, this year, it's it certainly, um, it's, it, it's what it is, folks. This is, this is, uh, you know, again, when we wrote that story, we try to show that there's, there's, while there is this, there's also these other things to consider and it's all part of the package. I don't think it's quite cut and dried that there's this and then there's this. It's more, there's some that feel this way, some that feel, there's a few others that feel this way. There's this situation that developed for enemy or was working against him, et cetera, and it made it tougher. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean he should be kept, doesn't mean that he should automatically be dismissed, but it does mean it's, it's, this is the situation that has developed in Washington. And again, I go back to if the defense had been better, 
then we're looking at a different situation. But I would say I'd like to see this offense be better against good defenses to see, to really measure that growth of where they are and who they are and what they can be down the road. And that's why, like for how going forward, it's very important over these next four weeks to show that growth, to make it a no-brainer for anybody coming in that, okay, if you don't get one of those top two quarterbacks in the draft, if that's who you wanted, then you can grow with Howell because he showed this against these good defenses. And it's not just about results. It's not just about um, production. It's about decision-making. And I asked Rivera about that earlier this week. How do you measure that? Because if you just go by 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 um, production or results, it can be very tough. How did he get to this decision? There may be an interception, but what if it was somebody else's, what if it's the right decision, but somebody else messed up? So you can't just look, oh, he threw an interception. It's got to be the process that led to that. Was it was it the right one for him? Is he throwing with some anticipation? Is he doing trusting the receivers a little bit more? Is he showing that growth? That's what you want to see. And, you know, um, so we'll see that starting Sunday against the Rams, but they face some really good defenses down the stretch, San Francisco, Jets, Dallas. So it's a good chance for them to show what level of growth, you know, is there in this offense? Number four, let's look at the cornerbacks. Emmanuel Forbes, he's going to be back out there Sunday. The team also claimed Caillou Blue Kelly off waivers, and they cut Danny Johnson. So it's all related because for Danny Johnson, why was he cut? Well, because they Forbes was coming back. That gives them their top three corners back that they want to play. Then they also want to see Tariq Castro Fields more. I know and talk, this is something I've heard for a week or a couple of weeks now that they'd like to see him a little bit more because they feel like he's warned, he's earned a little bit more playing time based off his play on special teams and his work as a gunner. And I know they're, they've been very big, especially with defensive guys at showing what you do on special teams and then elevating them. And I think that's why they'd like to see him a little bit more. And then they go and claim Kelly. And it, and then for then it's like, well, who's the odd man out? It's Danny Johnson. And they still like him. I mean, it would, listen, if he doesn't sign somewhere else, it wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked to see him come, you know, to see this team try to bring him back because again, they like him. It's just a matter of you look at the numbers and what you're trying to develop. And I think going forward, You'd want to see, well, can Tariq Castro Fields be a guy that could be a fourth or fifth corner for them going forward? Could he be better? I mean, he's not right now. He's not going to be better than Kendall Fuller or Benjamin St. Juice. And you drafted Forbes in the first round. You need to play him. You have Quan Martin who can play in the slot. But I do think you want to see, can this guy play? And can he be part of a future, again, regardless of who's making those decisions? And I think that's so that's all that added into it. But it will be interesting to see how Forbes responds. and. You know, he sat missed a couple games with that that left elbow injury. He's going to have a brace on. He feels pretty confident, ready to go. Of course, he's going to say that. And I'm going to play a couple minute interview with him after this to that you can listen to to hear his thoughts on getting back out there. Um, things I'll say about him is one, he does have to clean up some of the technique issues. And if he does that, then he can still be a good corner in the NFL. I would not write him off just because he struggled and has had a tough rookie year, and it has been tough. For a lot of reasons, he felt like he was starting to get, play the way he wanted to. When you know you get the ejection, then you get the injury. Those have kind of those kind of stunted that growth a little bit. So let's see how he is when he comes back out there. Um, and and you know, does he clean up some of those technique issues? Does he fall for some of the moves that he did that he did earlier? Does he does he does is his footwork a little bit better? Are his eyes more consistent with where they need to be? All those are going to be something to watch. And it's, I'll be honest, like I'm, if I'm them, I'm going to match them up against some of the better receivers over the next couple of weeks. 
I know that would it would it be the best matchup sometimes? Maybe not, but I'd want to see how this kid handles that because you need to know. And I think you need to know where is this kid at, right? So if he goes up against Puka Nakua, um, how does he handle that? Because he's going to throw some double moves at him. He's going to, he's got, he has really good moves. How does he handle a, a, a receiver like that? Who's been fantastic as a rookie, um, but who does it not with speed, but with, with moves, right. And just smarts and quickness. So I think those are some that, you know, are you going to lock them on there all the time just because of the, just because you want to see no, but I don't think you shy away from it either because you can't hide at corner. And I think that's one of the things with Forbes that you do need to see. Can this guy play in the NFL? Can he be a good contributor? Whether or not you can go and revisit the draft and, and the decision to take him, bottom line is he would have been a – I can't imagine he would have gotten out of the first round. So it's not like he was a third-round talent being picked in the first round, in the middle of the first round. He was a first – considered a first-round talent at worst early second. And, you know, of course, there are other guys that they picked – that they bypassed to take him – but you need to see, and I think you need to see what level can he get to? Has he improved? And and so I think I'm. That's one reason I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles a guy like Nakua if he gets matched on him, or even you know whether it's a Cooper Cup if they get some sort of matchups that way. And I don't know that they would, but they you know. Um, but I think that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing. Does has he improved? So finally, let's, you know, there are other young guys that they'd like to see that I don't know how much are going to get action, you know, with, with Jamin Davis out, does Jabril Cox get more action? I know they'd like to get him some more time that they feel like he's kind of getting up to speed. This, this is a defense that has taken some, take it takes linebackers a minute or two to get up to speed. So you want him playing fast. And is he at that point? I don't know, but I, you know, would you like to see it? Yes, I would too, just out of curiosity. Um, but I know um, that's a guy whose name has come up, Jalen Jalen Harris, outside linebacker too. Is he somebody that would would get a little bit more time? Maybe you give some a little bit more time to those interior tackles, Abdullah Anderson, Benning Pote. But they're right now in the practice squad. I, but you know, you have two guys there with your two starters who are coming back, and you have Ridgeway and Fidari Mathis. I don't know what kind of room there is for for the other guys. Um, to get more action, you know, so I'd be curious to see is where is Federer Mathis at? I want to start to see a little bit more impact from him to see, because, you know, that if they're going to try and build through the interior, again, regardless of who's here, then those guys, Ridgeway and Federian have to be key backups for them because that's a rotation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, as far as the game goes, this item, item number five, the game, it's, listen, it's not a great, I don't, the Rams can hit some big plays and, and Nukua has had, I think he's got like 21 pass game pass catches for 20 yards or more. That's like, I think it's fourth in the NFL. This team gives up a lot of those types of plays. He's not a fast guy. This is where we had, I think I talked about this on here recently, but where he had this conversation with some of the receivers about 40 times. And they're like, it's irrelevant. Just put on the film with Nukua. That's what you do because it's 40 time at the, I believe it was like four, five, seven. He's not a fast guy. But when you watch him run his routes, he's very quick in and out of the break. So you can get those little in and out moves or little pivot moves, and he's quick coming out. That's what makes him different. And, you know, he'll throw a double move at you. His footwork is really good. Boom, he kind of chop and go. So that's what you have to pay attention to, and it's what makes him dangerous. And the Rams do a good job of, of using some motion. It's not in a heavy, heavy motion like maybe the Dolphins were, but you will see motion to get guys maybe some better angles on some routes and create a little bit more space on their routes. And I think that's something that they do well, but they do it too for Cooper cup a lot. And for some of their other targets, 
um, more so than Nakua, but for for, the, for those guys, the other ones, they will do that. So it's something that they have to be very smart in the secondary. Well, they, are they going to be there? Because they, they keep giving up those big plays. I mean, they simplified it for them against the Dolphins and still gave up some of those big plays. So not confident that they're going to handle that role well. Matthew Stafford is playing pretty well. He's getting rid of the ball quick. The protection is strong. So I don't, you know, if you're not going to be able to bother him with some with some movement up front, some stunts or some blitzes, then I think it's going to be a long day for that secondary. And that would be my main concern. Running back Kyron Williams is having a strong season. He's especially of late, has been running the ball very well. And they will run out of a lot of three receiver sets, which I think, you know, they create those gaps for guys. And that's what Sean McVay does really well. It's what, when they, a few years ago, when they started, it's something that they went to in two, I think it was like, you know, several years ago when he was with the Rams, we're running a lot out of the 11 personnel. And so look for some of that as well with Kyron Williams. He's been effective. Can they stop him? Because if they don't, it's going to be a really long day. Defensively, I think there's going to be some chances for some plays on the field. I think the one corner, it's um, Darian Kendrick, number one. I saw him have some issues and there were some gaps in the coverage um, at times. And with Kendrick, I think you can throw some double moves at him, definitely. So I think whether it's McLaurin or Dotson getting somebody outside against him, I think you can get some some work against him. The question will be, can they hold up in the interior against Aaron Donald? And that's going to be a thing because that dude is strong and he's quick and everybody knows it. We all, we've watched him for years. He's going to be a hall of famer. But what I also like with him is, to me, he's very economical with his footwork when he runs on some of the stunts, but it's why he's able to arrive with power. He's turning with power and he's getting into your pads right away. He gets to your pads before you get to his. And I think that makes a big difference for him, but he's super quick still. And, you know, so I think he's going to be a chore for them. So Howell's going to have to do a good job of getting that ball, getting rid of the ball. And, um, you know, so the protection doesn't have to hold up too long. But I do think there's some going to be some opportunities for that. And then the, they will be aggressive going against the run. So can you get some cutbacks? I don't know that Brian Robinson is going to play. You know, you can check back later in the day to check the game status. It wasn't as of as of Thursday afternoon. It wasn't looking good. He missed the first he missed Wednesday and Thursday practice or couldn't because of his hamstring. So that means some opportunities for Antonio Gibson, who's been playing well, but also Chris Rodriguez, who does a good job running with patience and cutting back. And speaking of Kyron Williams, too, that's what he does well. Not a burner, not a big guy, but he makes guys miss. So be aware of that when you're watching. He makes guys miss. He's got some shiftiness. And he's and he runs with patience. So those those attributes make for a good running back, and it's why I think he's been making guys miss. So anyway, you add it up, and it's a tough. It's another tough game for this team. We're gonna go Rams thirty-one twenty again. What I want to see is how does Forbes do? How does Sam Howell do? And if he if he can make this, if they make it competitive, that's a really good showing for Howell. And I think it's gonna it would be based off that. That's what I want to see, especially because I he because of how he factors here moving forward and make it a no-brainer for anybody coming in that you are the guy. So that's all I got for this time. Again, thanks for tuning in. Always appreciate it. We'll be back after the game to wrap up the Rams commanders. So talk to you next time. What do you want to see out of yourself over the next four games? Uh, honestly, it's just how I bounce back. You know, coming off this injury, having never really got injured in college or high school. So, like, I'm just something new for me, and I'm ready to go back out there and make plays. Since you've been out to now, what have you been doing? Because, like, obviously, you want to keep growing. You're 
what have you been working on or, or focusing on during this time? This, during this time, uh, I've still been going to meetings every day, learning to play. Like still learning playbook, you always can learn some. Of course, get my body right, get my arm right, and just stay in shape. Honestly, when you you talked about you telling them up and down this rookie season, what are some what are some of the things that you've learned through the ups and the downs? Oh, uh, just got to take it one week at a time. Don't let one bad week dictate another one and just keep stacking plays. And I, before I got injured, I was playing really, really good. So just keep trying to build on that for the next four games. Mentally, is that ever a challenge just to, you know, deal with the ejection, the injury, just like one thing after another? Is it, uh, is it tough mentally to deal with that? Uh, every, it's playing a sport is tough, you know, but I – it's my job. I come in and work every day just to get better. I know it's tough, and I know it, it could be struggling like mentally sometimes, but just got to move forward. When you talk about you, you, when you came back and felt like you were playing better, where were you? Where did you feel like you had made some strides there? Uh, honestly, just small details in the game, just making a lot of more plays and getting my hands on a ball, break pass breakups, and tackling way better. So. Just things like that. Some little, were there some of those little details like, you know, is it footwork, is it eyes? What, what were some of the things that you were? Oh, there's things in the scheme that was that okay. I was missing, you know, and it, I figured it out and I've been playing well. What are some things you've learned just in facing NFL receivers? Are there any little tidbits you've picked up from guys you've gone against? Oh, uh, you know, some of the, they some of the best athletes in the world and they're really good at their job. So it just, they know how to make something look, like make something what it ain't look like what it is and things like that so you obviously were very good at intercepting the ball in college mm -hmm. there were times when you maybe you feel like you could maybe could you bait a guy into that did you feel like you had to adjust to that in the nfl like some of these guys you, you're maybe did you have to change your strategy a little bit just I to would say i would say probably the scheme it just a way different scheme okay. than i had in college and it just sometimes i wasn't in a position to make plays on a ball maybe i could just break it up things like that so it was just a Turning process. Since the, the coaching changes, I know Ron has said that you just trying to kind of pair back the defense or kind of tweak things. Has it been a noticeable difference for you? Or oh, yeah. Since I've been on the sideline, I've realized it's been a big change of things. And honestly, it's easy for us in the <laughs> easier for us in the secondary and just help us play faster. How how much are you looking forward to then getting back out there and showing what you can do? Oh. Been ready to get back out there, you know, besides this injury. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to take it one day at a time and just, like I said, with my number call, I'm going to be ready. Thanks. Well, what were you able to do while you were kind of recovering? Does it, like, did uh, I always ran, kept staying in shape, and just, like, worked out, honestly. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you, it. Man.